0: This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We'll be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective, as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. Fabiola, how are you?
1: Hey, Leo. I'm great. How are you?
0: I am good. I'm excited to bring this uh, interview to the audience. How about you?
1: Yes, I'm excited as well. it's a great topic that we've been discussing quite a bit lately, which is water, a Waldorf education from, you know, pandemic times to what's happening now. The reason that we have persisted with Waldorf education is because in its true essence, it has been extremely healing uh, for our family as a whole. And it's been quite magical to see our children just uh, blossom.
0: Yeah, our our two older boys, obviously, uh, uh, our our third, we're making that decision. Do we want to continue on in mm-hmm. Waldorf education? Do We've we been... want
1: to homeschool? Do we want to take this into our whole, our own hands? What is the right path to continue on for our youngest? And I just keep going back to the magic of Waldorf. So in this episode, we really wanted to dive in with someone that ha- has really been connected to the true Waldorf um, roots, and that really, for the first time, has come up with a different uh, meaning for the world for the word education, which I had no idea. Um, to me, education was just you know your mainstream brainwashing, programming, um, you know, how many years you go through school. And through this interview, I learned that education really wasn't what I thought it, that it was, or it wasn't the experience that I had.
0: Yeah, and and, and really, I think the focus of the interview, uh, and we, we go off on several tangents, but the, the overall theme is kind of, you know, you've got what Rudolf Steiner imagined Waldorf to be and how it would interact with the changing times and then uh, uh, really what's happened, you know, where are we at in Waldorf in most schools? You know, we did a episode not long ago in last season where we, where we interviewed uh, three lovely ladies who were starting up a high school uh, Waldorf program. That's really Waldorf inspired. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an accredited, uh, but
1: bringing that into a new form. Yeah.
0: Bring it into a new form. And, uh, you know, we talk a little bit about how there's things like that popping up all over and we're excited to see that, uh, cause we think that's what, uh, the community needs. It needs that new blood, that new, uh, um, really seeing things how they were really envisioned to be and then bringing that back into existence because we, we've seen really a, a disappointing um, performance, really, from mm-hmm. a lot of the Waldorf institutions that have existed for some time.
1: So what you're really going to get out of this episode, if you were interested in learning more of what true Steiner teachings were and how how that relates to anthroposophy so if you want to know more about these this is this is going to be a great episode for you it's going to shed a new light into education new light into uh mankind development and also put it into a framework of what is happening to our world in a physical and also a spiritual level what we're going through right now so it was extremely deep and um uh, full of um, substance I yeah
0: think. yeah there were a lot of great nuggets and uh, we I think we wanted to we wanted to dive deep on several of them, but, you know, we knew that there was a lot to bring in this particular episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe we'll have uh, our guest on again, you mm-hmm. know, in the future if uh, she's interested and we can talk about some of those uh, those those uh, rabbit holes, because uh, they are definitely really interesting. Um, so should we bring her on or did you have anything yes, else you wanted to go it. over? OK, all right. Well, so uh, without further ado, we'll bring you our interview with Shannon Weiler. All right. We have our guest here, Shannon Weiler, and I'm going to do a quick intro for her, uh, or actually uh, not so quick, because she's got a lot of information that I want everybody to have before we get into our Q&A with her. Uh, But Shannon Weiler was raised in the Redwood Forest in Boulder Creek, California, born at home and raised by back-to-the-land hippie parents. She grew up without television, playing in the woods as an only child. Shannon also grew up part-time in the Trinity County—I'm sorry— yeah, county wilderness where her and her father lived off grid before that was even a catchphrase. Having lost her father at age fifteen to HIV due to a blood transfusion at the hospital, Shannon developed a deep and intense longing to understand the spiritual world and live her life with meaning and purpose. After a fighting, uh, after fighting wildland fires for a couple summers in. Plumas County, California, Shannon traveled solo to rural Thailand, where she lived in a very small Thai village as the only foreigner learning the language and the Thai way. After a brief stint in Laos and one month in Taiwan, she traveled back to America. It was at this time during her travels she first heard of Eurythmy. Shannon had been searching for a form of movement that would, in her words, raise the consciousness of mankind. She traveled to the 60 acre farm and training center that would be the starting point for her whole life's work. At age 21, Shannon decided to do a four-year intensive eurythmy and anthroposophy training with some of the most remarkable teachers in this field that exist. After four very intense and life training years, Shannon and her six other classmates graduated from the American Eurythmy School with a two-hour live performance including classical guitar, Celtic harp, cello, Piano and poetry by Thoreau, Emerson, Dag Hammarskjold, and E.E. E. Cummings, just to name a few. For the next twenty years, Shannon traveled extensively all across North America to Waldorf schools, teaching and performing art and eurythmy in the students to the students in grades. Uh, kindergarten through eighth grade, as well as the faculty and board members of the schools. She remained an independent contractor with the schools to maintain her freedom and autonomy, as well as to continue to travel back to her training center and work professionally with her colleagues on local performances. During those 20 years, Shannon went to uh, went on a eurythmy tour with 10 other colleagues and performed in Portland, Seattle, British Columbia, Sandpoint, Montana, and California. She also taught eurythmy as well as ways to connect with others in Juvenile Hall and the Sandpoint High School through a nonprofit called Underground Kindness. Shannon has been a, pro- a prolific public speaker in Waldorf schools and amongst local communities during her travels. She has taught eurythmy and s- spoken at biodynamic farming conferences, as well as business executive meetings for enhancing teamwork and productivity in the workplace. In Northern California, during COVID lockdown, Shannon left the Waldorf school she was currently working with. And because of her values, she asked to start a small... Uh, She was asked to start a small school on her friend's property. For the next two and a half years, Shannon built up a school on five acres and a 30-foot yurt, as well as her tiny house for a classroom. She had 18 students and 12 families in preschool through first grade. She named her school Hummingbird. During this time, she became quite active in speaking up for... Freedom principles, in particular for children. She was asked to speak at several events, including Northern Sierra Freedom Summit, Barn Underground Freedom Alliance, and other non official gatherings of parents and teachers seeking alternatives than what the societal model or Waldorf schools in general were offering. It was at this time that Shannon also began her work presence consulting, coaching for parents and teachers seeking new tools and guidelines for better home life activities for children. In addition to working with parents, Shannon also coaches positive mindset. She draws on her wealth of life experience to guide others to change their mindset, to make a positive difference in their relationships, business and home life, essentially spiritual tools with practical application. After three years of running her hummingbird school, Shannon left, uh, Shannon felt it was time to return to where she had a home, Sandpoint, Idaho. She left the school gracefully in the care of her parents and still co- of the parents, and still consults for them in helping with the governance of the school. She now runs her own preschool and kindergarten, hummingbird, and continues to coach nationwide, parents, teachers and others from all walks of life. In her spare time, Shannon loves do-it-yourself projects such as her tiny house, pottery, carpentry, gardening, landscaping. She dabbles in music, plays cello and guitar and loves to sing old Irish and folk tunes. Shannon is passionate about bringing people together to support and uplift one another through music gatherings and hosting present, present, presenters on various subjects such as health, reducing screen time, and freedom, to name a few. She is also very active outdoors, cross-country skiing and snowboarding in the winter and hiking and being on or in the water in the summer. Her and her dog, Lila, live alone and actively welcome new friendships. Welcome to the Collective Resistance podcast, Shannon Weiler. How are you doing today?
2: Thank you
0: so much. I, I want a bio like that, okay? So <laughs> I'm going like to use yours life. as a skeleton, and I'm going to write one for myself. So.
1: That's a full <laughs> life. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Collective Resistance And to start, we ask every guest, you know, to share their journey. And how did you get to Waldorf Education? Well, I mentioned in my
2: bio the the death of my father. And so I always share that was the beginning for me because my father was um, my best friend. And he was um, unconscious on his deathbed for weeks and weeks. And everyone around me at that time was very afraid of death and didn't know how to speak about it with me and felt really bad for me um, and always looked at me with sorrowful eyes. But no one knew how to talk about death and what happens at death. And someone, I don't remember who, said, you know, if you could say goodbye to your father and um, that might help him pass and so one day i went in there at 15 and i just shared my heart i said daddy if you're ready to go i want you to know i'll be okay and i know you'll always be with me and i love you and you've been the best dad anyone could ever hope to have and i know your spirit will fly free like a bald eagle because we both love bald eagles we used to watch the nest in trinity county and He died that night.
0: Oh, wow.
3: Um,
2: And he was unconscious when I spoke to him. He was unconscious. But he passed that night. And at the time, I wasn't aware of the great impact that had on me. But later, when I did find Eurythmy and Waldorf, well, essentially Anthroposophy, I realized that, um, you know, he heard me. And it gave me a deep experience that there is a spiritual world. And I wanted to understand that world just as much as some people want to understand this world we can see. And it made me realize that the two are not separate, Right. that the spiritual world is all around us. So, you know, skip ahead about five or six years. And that's um, part of my journey was seeking for a form of movement that would as I put it, raise the consciousness of mankind through movement, bring an experience of the spiritual world in a very tangible way, not just in an ideology or belief system, but actually experience it in the way that I had. Um, I was looking for a a movement that could do that. And, you know, I had tried many different dance, um, all sorts of, Tai Chi, Bharatanatyam, which is a Indian way of telling stories through hand gestures and facial gestures, um, all sorts of dance. And I met someone in Idaho who told me about this form of movement called Eurythmy, and I'd never heard of it. And I'd never heard of Waldorf. I wasn't a Waldorf child whatsoever. (laughs) Um, However, I did grow up without a TV, but so, um, yeah, that's, just how i first found Eurythmy, and then i i traveled with this person this friend of mine that i met from idaho to the Eurythmy training and i had no idea i was just this starry-eyed gypsy girl at 19 years old pretty broken from a lot of hard times and through my whole biography um but my teacher asked me what I was looking for, and I said I'm looking for, you know, form a movement that will, will heal me and will heal mankind. And she said, "Well, we're all about education here. Do you know what the word education means?" And in in 14 years of education, public school and community college, no one had ever asked me that. <laughs> wow. And you know, she said. Yeah, the Latin word means to draw out what is within you. And so little did I know I was about to embark on a four-year, five-day-a-week, very intensive inner training to unfold the faculties that every human being has within them um, through the study of anthroposophy and through the movement of Eurythmy.
0: It, you know, Shannon, um eurythmy is one of those subjects where you know if you're a Waldorf parent, you you, you know it, you know, because it's it, it's a part of of what the kids do there. But it, it's something I don't know a lot about in relation to a lot of the other things, like you know, the handwork and and just the way that that uh, the lessons are taught and whatnot. But can you talk a little bit about how eurythmy originated? And because I, I guess when I think of Steiner, I don't think of Eurythmy, when I think of him, you know, he's much more this scholar, um, but I mean, was he, did he kind of bring people together that that came up with it, or did he bring that in from something else? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I love that question. And, you know, it's really true um, that most parents, you know, I mean, we haven't even really discussed what Waldorf's anthroposophy is here. I know a lot of your listeners may be familiar, but... Um, I, you know, at some point would love to kind of go into that a little more deeply, too. But
1: that was my question is on the soil. <laughs> what? That was my first question. You, you know, the little on yeah, Steiner. But I, and Waldorf I love education. this
2: question. Uh, so, I mean, most parents in Waldorf school, Eurythmy, and for the children, is this obscure, ambiguous, mysterious and often, honestly, um, class that is disliked to be completely honest, mm-hmm. and I'm well aware of that. Um, it really depends on the teacher. It depends on the training the teacher had. Um my training is very unique, and this kind of goes into you know, I'm sure what we'll be discussing later, so I'll try to keep on track here. But my teachers, you know, were not a part of the anthroposophical society. They were not a part of na. they decided to start something on their own, on their own piece of land, and really do what they thought was really wanted in a living way, you know, to live Anthroposophy and you're with me. And so the training I had is remarkable. But to go back to your question, um,
0: Basically, you're asking, "What is it?" Well, like, like, since it doesn't seem like something on the surface that that, at least in my opinion, that Steiner would come up with on his own is it is was it more of a of a of a group of people and and he knew that this was a component that needed to be part of Steiner education or did it kind of come in on its own unrelated to Steiner? I'm just not familiar with that background. Right. Thank you for
2: leading me back to that. <laughs> um, so. Steiner was pretty unparalleled um, man of his time, and he, you know, he had a PhD, but he was also very clearly clairvoyant. But he didn't use his clairvoyance immorally. Steiner was one of the most unrecognized influencers of our of this last century. So, whenever he brought something new. And I and I, I know I have kind of have some inside information because my teachers were um, the students of Steiner's students. So it's kind of a direct lineage there. So whenever he brought something new, like we know of Waldorf education, it was because someone asked him a question. That's how he worked, like, what we would call morally or rightfully or harmoniously in the world without just, you know, egotistically, so to speak, bringing all this stuff that he thought other people should do. He wanted people, he loved freedom. And so he wanted to work with the impulses that came out of mankind. And so um, in the case of Eurydmi, this woman had a daughter and her daughter's father had died when she, I'm just being struck right now because I never thought of the parallel in my life.
1: Oh, wow, Where yeah. Father
2: had died. Yeah, <laughs> when she was a teenager and she loved dance. And this mother loved Steiner's work and knew that he had some new impulses to bring the cultural life um, at the time and said, is there a form of dance that could really take into account the soul and spiritual nature of the human being and not just focus on the physical form. And he said, why, yes, I've been waiting for that question. Wow. And so he then unfolded the art of Eurhythmy, and his wife, actually, his wife um, took it up passionately. And there were a few other, you know, names there. Ilona Schubert was one of them and she was my teacher's, teacher okay so he took it up with um you know maybe five or six women at the time very small class there were a few men and i'm sorry i'm not like the biggest historian so names kind of oh i'm the same i'm with you dig into that yeah i'm the same So that's essentially how it began
0: very cool so, Fabby, then, I know I, I got us off track there, but I think that was good. I, I needed yeah, to know that. Yeah, good.
1: That so, was Fabi, good. Get, get us back on the rails. So, just for a little brief intro on how we got into Waldorf education, we've had a vaccine-injured child, our oldest, and um, he didn't really speak until he was four and a half. Um, and tried, you know, just the regular government handout, you know, assistance and that wasn't really didn't feel right and it wasn't really working. So I spent 2 years at home with him, you know, with diet and just um outside of the box therapies to uh you re- really um dig in and try to understand what it was like to be with inside him because I really wanted him to join our world. But I learned that that wasn't going to happen until I was willing to join his world. And so once we got, you know, those two years, quiet years at at home, um, I was ready to homeschool when we found Waldorf education. And I was really uh, blessed to be able to spend six months in a first grade classroom with an amazing Waldorf teacher and um, just be there with him. And it wasn't just a healing experience for my son. It was extremely healing for him, but it was also extremely healing for me just being in a first-grade classroom with him, doing everything that he was doing. And so that's how um, I felt like Waldorf really healed our our child. And he wouldn't be where he is at without it. So I really wanted you to be... yeah. I really wanted to be able to share a little just brief intro on Steiner and just Waldorf education from the perspective of what what you said education actually means, which is bringing bringing from within. Right. Can you repeat that one more time? Because I thought that was amazing. The meaning of education. Yeah, it
2: comes from the Latin, the Latin word um, drawing forth what is within the individual, the, the root word of the meaning education in the same sense. The root word of Eurythmi, um is rhythmical movement or harmonious movement. Again, from from Greek that um, has some Greek roots. There, Steiner liked to he liked to use um, those Greek uh, root words in a lot of what he named, even anthroposophy. So, anthro being human, sophia being wisdom um, um. of the human being. Yeah, I'd love to share about how um, the water School first started because, and it, I'll keep it brief because, I mean, you may have, have you discussed this in any earlier podcasts, just so I don't repeat?
1: We discussed a little bit in, in a couple episodes already, but yeah, let's just go yes. ahead and, and give us your definition, and if people haven't heard the other episodes, they will get it here.
2: I mean, essentially, it was um, right after the World War, and, um, you know, the people of, of Europe were just torn and fractured and, and traumatized, and it was clear that there needed to be some new solutions, and Steiner, there's a quote that he gave, which he said, the the reason for the illness of our society is education, is the The current model of education. Mm -hmm. And so we need to refound our educational model. And again, started with a question. Um, I believe it was Emil Malt had a factory, the Waldorf cigarette factory. It's yes, yeah. very interesting. Astoria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that, you know, because it's not meant, I and mean, don't get me on a soapbox here, but it's really not meant to be an elite opportunity. It was given to the fact, the children of the factory workers. Now, that being said, Steiner was really clear that children under the age of definitely seven, even up to nine, they don't need formal education. And so it like in my coaching that I coach, you know, uh, parents and teachers all over. I really, you know, I, I like to ease the stress and pressure because especially during COVID, when everyone was trying to repeat the classroom in their home, it was absurd.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Just let them be a part of your lifestyle, especially if you do live on land but any kind of purposeful work. So Steiner was really clear like children at zero to seven, they, they, they want to learn how to work with their hands. So we address the heart and the hands. So it's all art and it's all practical work. He said, if you need a formal education, you know, like for example, if you have working parents like the cigarette factory workers, they did need somewhere and they, some of their children were at the age then here's a model. The model he gave is, I mean, we could, we could have a podcast for every grade, and I know you guys know that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let, let's talk so about that, bad. okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at another time we'll, we'll set that up.
2: <laughs> the part two, part three. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just very, very far-reaching, a huge cosmology, and that is kind of what I'd like to go into. And I don't, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but to, to kind of. Re- share more about it but, um, you know, I like to give the example that Abraham Lincoln himself, he did not have a formal education. He grew up on the land, building fences, chopping trees. He grew up salt of the earth. He taught himself to read when he was a teenager wow. and he taught himself how to be, a, he was a lawyer with his first profession. He was of fantastic lawyer because he had a real sense of justice because he had common sense yeah. <laughs> so the educational model is actually killing common sense yeah you know and, and turning us into cogs so mm-hmm. um that's essentially how Waldorf began mm-hmm
1: So what, I mean, I guess that kind of answers my second question, but let's just go into into it a little bit. What do you feel sets Waldorf Education apart from other methodologies? You know, the, and let's do pre-pandemic first, because I think post-pandemic things have shifted a little bit, or maybe they have been shifting for a long time, and we can talk about that too, but what does it set, you know, set it apart?
2: Yeah, I love I love that question, and I do love, you know, also kind of looking, when we get to look at the recent changes as well, that's going to be exciting to yes. share um, <laughs> together. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, in Europe, pra- schools are, the cost of schools are covered, right? So that's, people can choose where they want to send their children, they don't have to pay for it. <coughs> Over here private education, you know, we have to pay for it. So that is part of why, you know, it's costly. Public schools don't want Waldorf and there's a very, very good reason for that. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, the Underground History of American Education (laughs) by John Taylor Gatto, the great read. He was a New York City public school teacher And he um, went through the history. uh, The history of our modern education system was actually founded by five of the richest men in our country around 1920, when all those big changes in the Federal Reserve, if you've heard of the creature of Jekyll Island, where our monetary system went. um, These are all things my teachers taught me about in my early 20s. And I just can't believe how grateful I am to them, or I am very grateful to them for that context. But the the history of our current system is from J.P. Rockefeller, Morgan, um, some of those big names. And they were very clearly reaching for a socialistic or communistic model, mm-hmm. point blank. They right. weren't even shy about it. So Waldorf is, um, again, so I want to emphasize, it really depends on the teacher, mm-hmm. it depends on the individual. Yeah. Because like everything in this world, every single thing, you know, you can take a great recipe, you know, mm-hmm. and you add your own flavor and it's something else. So Waldorf is not meant to be a recipe. It's not actually meant to be any kind of dogma for sure. It's meant to be a living it's like a plant. It's a living model. And um, you really need a, a good training for that because so we have to really unlearn and re-educate ourselves because I know I, we all have been through the public education system for a good 12 to 14 years. I mean, that's serious.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
2: why I'm very passionate about working with early childhood and coaching parents, because if you can make it, and I, when I say make a difference, what I really want to say is get out of the way. Mm-hmm. If we can just get out of the way of a child's development and, and really remove hindrances and really protect them from all the influences in, in the environment now and just allow them to be in a present state of mind with a flower or a tree, if we can really do that we are literally changing the consciousness of mankind as a collective because children have the key to the future they have imaginative consciousness and that's what steiner was trying to develop for mankind through anthroposophy was to literally change our consciousness into an imaginative consciousness where we're no longer in this intellectual clever witty kind of illogical with no common sense but like smart in Mm -hmm. quotes Mm-hmm. But to actually be able to create out of out of a living reality and not mechanis- mechanistically, if that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm kind
2: now, of getting ahead of myself. But well, um,
0: I have a question for you, though, on that front. Um, do you find, though, that that Parents, like especially like in in, in what you're doing uh, with with uh, with your school and then the schools you've worked with in the past, do you find that they come to the school because they have they have found this idea, or do you you find that you really have to educate that this is what this is, and most come because they're just looking for something that's not what they're currently doing. Absolutely, yes,
2: like pretty much. All, you know, 98% okay. of parents with really beautiful, good intentions, you know, want something better for their children. To find parents that want to understand the basis is like finding goal. That's why I'm so excited to talk with you guys, because you two really love and appreciate and have reverence and respect. And we're all learning. Like, we're all equal in this. There's no, it doesn't matter how long one has heard about you know these things it's an infinite journey Mm -hmm. um but it really is the basis of waldorf and ideally the teachers would be living that as well and i think that's probably a good segue you know into the current times but um i i guess it is the teacher's responsibility to educate but not proselytize right? right So like when I have parent meetings, my parents, the parents (laughs) in my school love my parent meetings um, because they're fun, they're rejuvenating, we connect deeply with each other, and we go deep into what is Waldorf education and where are your children now? And that's actually something I'd like to go on a tiny tangent on because I think it's actually really important to Mm -hmm. all of this is – Mankind's consciousness has been evolving. We haven't always had the same consciousness we have now. So in a really simple everyday terms, look at a child. Look how a child goes from infancy. You 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 all are parents, so from infancy to seven, isn't it like massive changes like mm-hmm. every month? Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Like? Or every day sometimes, you know, especially yeah. when they're really little. Yes. Yeah, and and all of a sudden they just said something and you're like Ooh where did that come from? Yeah, who, you know, something yeah, you like you profound. That? And you go like, whoa, I mean, who yeah. are you now?
0: Or just even, even like the use of their hands, you know, like to describe what they're talking yeah. about. You know, it's like, okay, uh, are you a motivational speaker? What's going yeah, on? Here? Like every day
1: gets something. It almost seemed like there's something new. There's a new spark or a new way of being. I love that. And that's
2: the beautiful thing. You know, parents, I love the wonder that that you have you know when you see like you said the hand gestures i've never heard someone mention that (laughs) you know just the things that you're going to notice because every parent parents differently so imagine that at your child well children and human beings as how they show their evolving consciousness are a microcosm of mankind of the macrocosm
3: Mm
2: -hmm. so mankind has had an evolving consciousness, or, you know, who knows, I'm not going to even pretend to (laughs) know the numbers on that. (laughs) But what I love about anthroposophy and Steiner, and again, I'm definitely still, I mean, I'm just beginning, um, is there's an understanding and a recognition that, so in Waldorf education specifically, children are in a different state of consciousness at every different age, and we need to be able to understand that and work with that and draw that out even more and not hinder it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So that's, to go back to your question, Fabi, what I think would be the heart of what makes water education different. You can talk about the curriculum all day. You could talk about the colors on the walls, nature toys. Everybody loves to talk about nature and the Mm -hmm. wooden toys. no. I'm sorry, you could have none of that. You could be in a freaking ghetto with nothing, none of that. Sorry, I get a little passionate. (laughs) But if you have a teacher who understands a child's evolving consciousness and has no money, no fancy toys, none of that, you've got Wolder's education.
1: Wow. Wow, that's very, very deep, very different from... um... The other methodologies, Sorry, yeah, and the and the uh, especially the the public.
0: Well, but I, I think something that dawned on me as you were talking and and and, and kind of uh, branching off from from my my question about you know the parents who come to Waldorf education and whatnot, and I think that you know what I may be coming to the realization is that like through the pandemic and everything, you're you're seeing you know just potentially how many parents in a particular Waldorf school, you know, we've experienced a few of them, you know, are not really that into Waldorf. You know what I mean? And, 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 but they're there and they are a paying member and they have voices. And so it's not necessarily that Waldorf, I think is um, failing anyone. I think that, that we're seeing that, uh, people who don't see the vision or maybe they just haven't been educated uh, and i think different schools that we've been a part of uh, do a better job of making sure that that is integral into you know that, that relationship with the parent is just as important as the relationship that the teacher has to the the student and uh, if you're not doing that at the same level then when we see these these crises occur like we like we saw with the pandemic uh, you 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 tend to have the these voices that are are not really understanding of anthroposophy and and in uh, Waldorf education really that they they tend to push it into the same. Uh, uh, you know what? What do they say? A square peg in a round hole into the same round hole of of what's happening with general education and public education uh, at whole. And so it's it's a sad thing because I think that we have so many tools available to us that others don't because of anthroposophy. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I love that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you, yeah? we're going to the, the hot topic in here. The trauma, the wound, <laughs> uh, the the recent wound of what just happened, you know, and and, and, and even talk about parents and the, the collective body of whatever world school you're in. Uh, we really felt like that was such a dramatic shift in just a month's time where here we have chosen an educational methodology that, you know, inspires learning, is, inspires free thinking, inspires full expression, and then all of a sudden now we are going to locksteps with lockdowns, masks, social distancing, jabs, and without really... Free thinking, or even thinking, or common sense—we're just going right into that, and I was just like, "What happened to Waldorf education? And what happened to Steiner?" principles and how they were even missed almost like not almost they were misinterpreted misused i mean there was a an article i think on an osna magazine you know uh pandemic or coronavirus what would steiner what would steiner do (laughs) or you know, like, people are just saying, like, well, this is an unprecedented time and things change, so we got to evolved, but, like, you felt like it was the opposite, like, you're devolving. So, so, what is your view on how this was handled by, you know, OSNA, which is the accreditation body of Waldorf Education, in schools here in America and around the world? What are your views? I just, I love both your hearts, like,
2: you just you're know, the kind of you're every Waldorf parent you're every Walter's teacher's dream parent. Oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> can, I, can I get that on and a T-shirt? It's
2: like we're totally working together. <laughs> you know, I love I love you know how you shared that the relationship with the parent is just as important as a child. I mean, yes, thank you so much for saying that, and you know that is absolutely true. And and your wonder at like, wait, what happened here? Yes. <laughs> so, Wonder, um, yeah, it comes down to um truth, I think, doesn't it? And it's like that's that's a big word, and people don't like to use that word anymore. I love doing it in Eurythmy because um, the movement for ooh, because Eurythmy is we haven't even gone into what Eurythmy is, but um, yes. Eurythmy is essentially making. Um, sound visible through movement, and the sound of ooh, the movement is a narrow there 's a narrow but in that narrowness there 's this powerful impulse to go out to seek but it 's and i so I was saying Ah the movement ah is open and full of wonder with big arms, so I always like to say it 's not trust, you know it 's truth there 's this this narrow path and but essentially um Sorry, I just went on a tangent. But I You're call fine. Asna the um, mafia of Waldorf schools. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great description. And, uh, Tell us more. <laughs> yeah, so I've been kind of um, not a proponent or adherent of Asna my whole life because of my rebel teachers. Um, and they have elucidated for me how... The anthroposophical society in fact, has separated from the living impulse. Okay. So like everything you know in the world, you'll see that. you know you'll see an impulse start and then it goes awry, right? It becomes worldly, it becomes bureaucratic, it becomes focused on power, whatever it is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that happened a long time ago, decades ago, with okay. the anthroposophical society actually. Um, but what I love about this COVID time is it's made it really, I won't cuss here, but really freaking obvious. <laughs> yes. But it's always been off. Okay. Um, Osna has no place. What is Osna? Someone you pay your dues to, to say you're a Waldorf school. Well, what makes you a Waldorf school? Certainly not Osna. Mm -hmm. what makes you a Walter school is your living relationship to the spiritual world and your willingness to grow as a human being and really discover the the truths of cosmic existence um Mm -hmm. so there's not like there's one truth it's it's just a seeking for reality I don't know how else to say it to me it's just so clear but um Mm -hmm. but it's not always that clear is it and so on on February 13th there was February thirteenth, um, my the school I was working at had a meeting and, and discussed COVID, and um, I had barely heard of it. I had heard a little bit on the news, and they called a big meeting and they said, you know, we need to do the two week, the two week thing, and they and they said, um, Ozma already has our Google Classroom package rolled out and ready to go. Oh wow! <laughs> and. Yeah, and it was a very pivotal moment for me because, you know, I think I said it in my bio, but I don't know if everyone caught it, but I've always been privately contracting the Waldorf schools for a reason. I want to remain my, I want to keep my autonomy and my independence and my freedom. I don't want to adhere to these schools that generally speaking, you know, are sold out. And I'm, I'm really speaking generally because there are so many phenomenal teachers, as you well know. Mm-hmm. There are so many phenomenal teachers. There are phenomenal schools. Um, it's, I really don't want to make black and white statements here. However, mm-hmm. you know, in 20. 25 years of traveling to water schools across North America, I've seen a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was there as a private contracted teacher and um, as the Eurythmist, about to have a huge school performance with about 500 people, which I do every year, wow. two weeks. And um, I, I said one thing I said, you know, just like you just said, Fabiola, I said, um, well, if we're really going to work out of Anthroposophy, we should be able to find a creative solution here and not work out of fear because, you know, that could be another podcast, but then yes. it really goes in-depthly to the two faces of evil in our time. And it's not just one. It's not just good and evil. Right. Okay. Tell us. That tell tell us about these two faces. faces. Um, well, you know, so wherever you have polarity or duality, you have, um, you know, a charge, right? Okay. So there's actually, so, you know, you often hear good and evil or the good angel and the bad angel. Right. Well, there's some deceitfulness. Steiner did something revolutionary. I've never heard anyone else speak about it in this way, but he actually said evil has two faces, two influences. Okay, I'm going to go for it here. Yeah, do it. it. Do it. (laughs) You have that luciferic. Uh-huh. The Luciferic impulse, mm-hmm. the fallen angel, and he's the bringer of light. He deceives you with the truth.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's full, he's full of light and love, and it's all good. And let's all return to the spiritual world. There is no evil. Let's all just become like children.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's just to give you an example mm-hmm. of a Luciferic influence. He wants to draw mankind away from the earth. Because our destiny is so intimately bound up with the earth, with nature, mm-hmm. and that's where environmentalism movement really understood that, but didn't quite have the whole spiritual perspective. Um, because we are not just wa- we don't want to just worship the created world. What about the creator, right? Mm-hmm. right. So, so so you have the Luciferic on one hand. So that would be the good angel. Wow. Right? Um, and then on the other hand. <laughs> You have the armonic or in other terms, Satan. He deceives you, or he is the bringer of deceit and darkness. He is the prince of darkness, and he is the influencer of our time, is the armonic. So he wants to bind mankind to the physical world. He wants us to forget our spiritual heritage and become complete materialistic automatons. So he wants to cut the Earth off. And there you have, you go back to the space the space fence that's being created right now around the whole planet. Okay. So you're probably familiar with that. No. Awesome. You, you mean, you mean uh, <laughs> the, the, the,
0: the, the Wi-Fi satellites?
2: Um, it goes, yeah, it goes a little beyond that. Right. And I'm no expert, but um, mm-hmm. there's, you know, a lot of technologies out there that, yeah, are creating like Starlink,
3: a synthetic grid. Think it's so cool. Yeah.
2: It's a grid. Mm-hmm. It's a grid around the whole planet, and that's directly the harmonic influence. Now, most people are not going to be consciously working. At, we all have it, by the way. We all have both of these influences mm-hmm. every day. We have to contend with them in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Some of us might be more on the Lucifer pole, um, which, by the way, also is like more doubtful. So mm-hmm. Lucifer brings doubt, Armon brings fear, wow. Armon brings power, Lucifer brings charisma. Wow. So, you know, obviously we want to find the center. We have to take hold. We can't deny these forces of evil. They're part of our destiny as mankind. So that's also what distinguishes us here. We're not trying to become Puritans and block out evil. We actually powerfully want to see it we want to awaken to the evil of our time because that's how we bring the spiritual hierarchies through our consciousness because we are the lowest of the spiritual hierarchy that's incarnated in a physical body and that might be contestable to people who might believe in aliens but anyway i won't go down that i won't go down that path we'll save um, that for part two (laughs) um Yeah. So going back to Lucifer and Armand, so, and then going back again to that moment in the faculty meeting, I said, we of all people have the opportunity to know the spiritual forces that are behind this whole COVID lockdown thing. I said, I feel nothing but fear and that is no place to act on. And there was like a three second pause. And then they're like Oh, well, well, we're not afraid we have all the answers here and here's a google classroom and they looked at me and they said and they even have you videos <laughs> and now i i know we haven't gone really at all into what is eurythmi but essentially eurythmi is a soul art a living art and you don't have the soul on the screen therefore right. you this common sense dictates you do not have rhythm on the screen. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that person said that to me, I thought to myself, well, this is the end. And I turned, walked away, washed my hands, and never looked back. Wow. And I lost 100% of my income. Wow. I had no idea what I was going to do. And I, you know what? I felt so strongly, I'll never forget it. I was born for this moment. Bring it on. <laughs>
0: No, I, and, and you know what, that and you know what, and we, we, we know incredible. the moment, we know the moment, you know, because I mean, you know, we, we've, we've moved, uh, halfway across the country. It was that man chasing
1: us. It in was the that park man chasing us in the, the park. Street. Yes, yes.
0: We looked <laughs> well, at like, each okay, other. We're like, okay, we're done. We looked at each other. We're like, I love that. okay, we can't stay here. We are out of here. Okay.
1: <laughs> the abuse that. ends right here. <laughs>
0: I love it. Wow. Yeah. But I'm interested, though, because, um, you know, you were part of that that organization, that school. Did did they fight for you? Or was it like they could sense you were not of their vibration and they just (laughs) let you go?
2: Oh, No. They, (laughs) yeah, no, they definitely did not fight for me. Okay, okay. They wanted to fight against me because they were like, well, who are you to say you can't Zoom and here we are all Zooming. Right. But, you know, guess what? What did they want? Mm -hmm. They wanted their money. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And, And I'm sorry, but that's what it comes down to. And it's tough, man. It's tough because I don't have children. And so I do. I have real empathy. And I'm not like a hard ass. Um, If I can say that.
1: Yes, that's so effective. You know,
2: it's like compromises do need to be made in this world. You know, I actually, I deeply love uh, the Christian impulse. I wouldn't consider myself a uh, normal Christian because I also love Anthroposite. But I always like to say Christ himself would not have come to the earth if he was waiting for it to be perfect. Right. Like defies the purpose of why he came.
1: Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. That makes so much sense. But
2: yeah, no, they didn't fight for me. And um, they, they really, I think, had a hard time, you know, justifying their own actions. And, and that's, I don't judge them for that. That's not my place. You know, they, they may have three children. Who knows? Um, that's for them to consult their own heart. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there were a lot of creative ways we could have met the situation. Um, and
1: then after two weeks or a month, I'm sorry, folks. I think we could have gone back to school. Yes, <laughs> right. I, I agree. I I was like, I need and, you. I'm paying you. And I'm getting nothing in return. So we got to talk about this. If I'm going to pay and support you, I need some support, which we did get. Absolutely. Some support. But you would even saw the community was very split. Um. And there were a lot of faculty and a lot of parents, not all, but they really were scared and they really wanted to cut the children off from even being together. I remember we had um, our teacher, our beloved teacher, was like, hey, maybe we can get the kids together in a park, you know, get them to see each other since we're not having school. And, I mean, that got shut down by our um our board president, so fast, like how dare you, how irresponsible, I mean, and we're here, we're all healthy, the kids are all healthy, I mean, just the week before, we're all together.
0: And, and and we see each other all the time. It's a small yeah, town. It's so it's like you run into each other at the grocery store at the at the mall and you're like, Oh look, we're with each other yeah. but we can't be with each other. So, so
1: so it made no it made no sense. But I really wanted to go back to what you said about the Luciferian because I always thought Satan and Luciferian were the same side of the sphere. It was the darkness. I would like to, to talk two sides of the same coin. Oh, my gosh. So, new age, basically. Love and light. And, um, it doesn't matter. You're going back to the light. It's all... Okay. So, um, can we touch a little bit again on how we... Are we looking to integrate? Or what is the ideal... Basi- basically, on Steiner principles, what is the ideal purpose and beingness in this plane? Yeah, I
2: mean... And that, I know, it's and a big question. You're tra- <laughs> no, it is, but you were tracking right with me because I was thinking, oh, I want to add also something on your husband's side because it's when you mentioned the parents not being interested in Waldorf, at the same time, um, there is a, a responsibility that Waldorf education and teachers have to the parents. We can't expect the parents to know. You know, not that we're going to go into Lucifer and Aramon. Like, that's something I, you know, but some basic fundamental things. So, you know, with the Luciferic and the Aramonic, I mean, and so this goes back to what I was wanting to share. The whole purpose, Steiner felt his whole life work, and he did a lot of other things. He did those things because the people who had a destiny to do those things, they went off track. So, you know, have you ever, like, you know, gotten in your car and then you forgot something and you had to go back home and then you get back on the road and there was a huge accident and someone
1: died, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know
2: if that's actually happened to you, but you know yeah. what I mean? something mm-hmm. like yeah. that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, imagine that on the span of world history. Right, right. was aware. Yeah, it's, like, phenomenal. It's like <laughs> like the last hundred years have been asked up, man. Right. Like, <laughs> Oh my god. And and there's historians and people who have dedicated their life to understanding it and I am definitely not one of them. Like I just know very broad sketches but but um he I lost track of what I was saying with that one.
1: You said the, uh, the, the so,
2: lo,
1: go, go ahead. If you remember go. I got it. <laughs>
2: um so he bought a lot of things like far, he bought biodynamic farming, water education, Eurythmy, anthroposophical medicine. I even pulled out some obscure books in case we went down that, but he, he reformed um, architecture, you know, glass sketching. Oh. But, but he always said his main life purpose was to bring an epistemology of thinking.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So what does that mean? And I know thinking is this word that is so kind of poo-pooed, basically. <laughs> no, you know, it stops thinking. You're thinking to but No, those, that's not thinking. So the philosophy of freedom for any any uh, lovers of deep reading, I mean, it works your mind and it's written in a, in a style. It's in a Greek style with synthesis, antithesis, I'm sorry, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Antithesis. So it literally transforms your thinking as you read it. It's not easy reading. It's not mm-hmm. some spiritual armchair book. Reading. It's
1: -hmm. deep. Is it kind of like the Bible? Reading the Bible, (laughs) because reading the Bible is really hard. No, it's
2: not even. It's beyond. No, it's like beyond
1: that. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's
2: something that I love. You want to work with it with other people. It's it's like like reading the Pfizer
0: study documents. It's like impossible to understand.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They take concentration. But it's a philosophy of freedom. But he also paraphrase it's a philosophy of spiritual activity so this so just when we get off this you know podcast everyone take a moment to think for a moment i where does my eye come from i mean it's a phenomenal experience Mm -hmm. because you will never find the eye under a microscope you will never find thinking under a microscope yet scientific natural thinking our scientific natural science uses their own faculty of thinking, which is a spiritual activity, in fact. And I'm kind of jumping through that wow. because it's something every person has to experience themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But they use their spiritual activity of thinking without even understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. So Steiner wanted every human being to wake up to their own thinking. So when people say, turn off your thoughts,
1: right, Meditate.
2: those are thoughts. You know, meditate the educational thoughts that have been put in our brains; Those are other people's thoughts. They're not our thoughts. Oh. Sorry.
0: No, and I, and I, I love epistemology. I, I love knowing, you know, how do we know what we know? You know, it, 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 there's all these ways beliefs are created, and you have to know how the belief got implanted. You know, was it an authority figure? Was it because of consensus? Was it because of your father? Everybody told, whatever, said you it, it know. Was true. Everybody said it was you know, or like... personal experience. You know, mm-hmm. you have to know because that's really where the strength of the veracity of what you're willing to do for that is going to be generated from. And so we don't teach that. Everybody just thinks, well, I know this because I know it. And, Mm -hmm. and because I know it, I need to keep rolling with it. And to, to not roll with it is to be embarrassed that I was wrong. And we don't teach that. It's okay to be wrong. It is okay. You cannot get to right or more enlightenment without be being willing to be wrong. (laughs)
1: Before you know something, you don't know it. (laughs) I mean, or maybe in a level you know.
2: That that goes just to tie to your question. Like, that's beautiful. And that, back to fabulous question, like, with the luciferic and armonic, and then also, you know, the parents not being interested in Waldorf, it all goes back to knowing our own thinking. And really being, and I love what you said about being wrong. Because Steiner he went through so many philosophers of his time and he lovingly showed them where they went off track in their thinking. Mm -hmm. He admired them. He would talk about the people he admired, but he'd be like, but you see right here. And it was so clear. And, and so for us to be able to be like, Hey, you know, I want, I spoke to whatever my husband like this, or my wife like this and to have that reflection and understand where it came from. And, And that it could be, you know, if you want to get deep into anthroposophy and understand that luciferic and Aramonic force, I find it incredibly helpful for my own Mm self-development to know when I'm coming out of one of those places and then to retract. So the purpose really is to transform evil, to transform evil to our own ability to enter the darkness with our thinking and transform it and find a way through, find a solution find a higher way through where our true humanity can shine forth out of our own creative unique individuality that is not copied from anyone else. Well,
0: I mean, and how how refreshing would it just be like in 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 a school to where, you know, the 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 body of the school is more interested in the process than the output. You know, that they, they want to know that we looked at these things holistically, we, 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 we understood pros and cons both ways, all that. We, we didn't just say, look, everything that's in this side is bad and we don't want to talk about it. And everything over here is just the way we're going to do it. But just to be so obsessed with the process, because, you know, I remember my kid, you know, he, we get into conversations and, and he says, but Dad, you know, what is real? You Know and and, and I, I said, well, I mean, you to me, you got to get to the point where you're okay not knowing, okay, not knowing, and that's where the power is because you can get in the head of somebody who thinks it's this way, and you can get in the head of somebody who thinks it's that way, and you can play with ideas, and that's what I want for you. I want for you to be able to play. I, I because when we play, we are flexible, we can bend. And when we, I think we know we are rigid and we break, mm-hmm. you know,
2: mm-hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. And that's also a big part of, of working out of this impulse is what you just, what you just described is living in the unknown. Like I love this quote and I say this a lot to parents. I coach, especially with early childhood, but this goes for everyone. It's a, actually a Rumi quote. As soon as you, tell the child the name of the bird, he no longer sees that bird.
0: I've heard that. I didn't hear it with birds, but I've heard that somewhere. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. And
2: it's, it's what you're describing. To be able to live in pure perception, that's also two fundamental aspects of what Steiner brought, perception and conception. We live too much in concepts. In our educational model we don't allow children to live in the percept without naming the percept we don't need to tell them the name of everything when they're little you know it's different stages and then living in the unknown and then the other thing you mentioned was um being able to think someone else's thoughts being able to lose yourself in another person's thinking and not be afraid that you can't find yourself again or actually discover hey i had it kind of wrong i see what you mean or You know, like, for example, I'll just put it right out there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I mentioned Christianity. I also really feel that, not feel, I have come to the experience that reincarnation exists. Mm -hmm. And that sets me apart from most Christians. And unfortunately, some of them might think I'm pagan. Right, Um, right. But I love the principles. So anyway, I won't go down that tangent, but thinking another person's thought is definitely something we want the children and all people to be able to do to be that flexible.
0: And and it does seem though, that, I mean, at least in our experience and what we perceive our children's experience to be that um, Waldorf education, although I I think often sold as um, what we're kind of talking about, you know, that's, it's kind of in the marketing and whatnot. I think we've seen this progression to much more, rigid thinking, especially with the pandemic and then out of there. And now we're getting into, you know, the, the, the ideas of gender identity and, 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 and this stuff. And, and I, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, is this even really necessary in the, the school? Are we bringing things in that have never existed before it's 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 frustrating, you know, as as a parent, because you're like, uh, okay, these seem like big topics that, you know, since we we didn't have a curriculum around this, we should be sitting down as a body and talking about it and, and understanding, because you know they push, uh, I think Waldorf pushes a lot, uh, Osna pushes a lot of, oh, you know, things need to modify over time. I think there's yeah, some we need quotes. To evolve. There's, there's some the
1: new times here. We have the pandemic. Now we have. I just want to put in, because Leo brought up the the gender issue, and I think, you know, Osna, if you go to their blogs, there's just a lot of um, articles, you know, about racism and diversity, equity, inclusion, and now the gender topic. And the, the reason we're bringing this up is because there seems to be, well, politicized, just like the pandemic, right? We have the racism and the uh, and I'm not saying those things do- don't exist, but to put in perspective, um, to what you were saying about you know being creative and getting out of this duality of the Luciferian, the did you say harmon- harmonics? Is that what that was? Uh, uh, our harmonic. Our, our harmonic. Um When you have a being that comes into this world, a child, and let's say, because I've seen this, a child that's eight years old and uh you know they are a girl let's say and then all of a sudden they share with their parents then now they decide or maybe they're doing it from birth I don't know I have heard parents say that Uh, this child that has told me like they they don't feel like a girl or a boy they don't they have this gender dysphoria and 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 the parents just embrace that and then you go into the clinical setting and that gets a diagnosis and now we are going through, you know, this 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 transitioning period and then let's say that child at eighteen, nineteen years old, or even earlier goes back to it like they're really maybe they're feeling that I'm not sure if that's the, the feeling realm or they feel like they don't fit in or maybe it's they are not heard and that seems now it's a way when you victimize yourself you finally get noticed like either you're the wrong race or you're now in the wrong body. Um, how does that fit into our, our true purpose, I guess, in this plane? I mean, how, how would Steiner even approach something like this? Well, I love
2: this. And, um, what both of you have mentioned just was, you know, some things were flowing in. Um, Steiner, well, to to answer your question about what he would have done during this Walters pandemic, I say, I think he'd be rolling in his grave, you know, um, (laughs) as the expression goes, as how it was handled. Now, going back to to what you're sharing, um, both of you, um, I actually was just listening to a lecture he gave this morning, one of my favorite lectures, The Work of the Angels. In man's astral body, which basically means in our soul, and um, I couldn't believe he actually predicted what is happening. And I've read this lecture many times, but I haven't read it since the whole gender, this new transgender, this whole—it's phenomenal. And I'll—I'll I'll send it over to you guys or send a link. But I oh, just paraphrase awesome. very simply. He just simply said. You know, if we don't take awaken basically to our thinking consciousness and strengthen our thinking, um, medicine will go awry. And he basically said medicine will become poison.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's and this is in 1920. So this also gets me going. I love, I guess, so because people say Steiner's work is old, and right. you know we've got to evolve with the times. I'm sorry, he was way ahead mm-hmm. of the times, way ahead. And, and as far as it being a European influence, he was very clear. This can be taken up in any culture with the tradition of any culture, the language of every culture. And it goes back to traditions. A lot of what Waldorf is that in my coaching, a lot of the tools I give to parents and things they can do at home are are traditional games and songs and movements that, that have been lost. Mm. But, um, he So he said me- medicine will become poison. He actually is quoted as saying there will be a vaccine literally that will make it almost impossible for the human spirituality, the human spiritual individuality to incarnate in their physical body, which is where we see the autisms and even worse.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and he also said, and I just read this this morning. That this sexual, and he said, I cannot say specifically because he couldn't misuse his ability to see. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: He had to be very careful, Mm -hmm. but he said, there will be such confusion in the realm of sexuality that eventually mankind will become like beasts. (laughs) And he also, my teachers have told me this. I haven't read this, but I think it's a quote that came down. He said, at the end of the century, basically where we are now, one quote is, thinking, real independent thinking will become practically illegal in America. Mm.
3: That's Steiner.
2: Wow. The other, the other quote he has had to have said is, if we don't awaken to our own spiritual development, a man will not know what it means to be a man. And a woman will not know what it means to be a woman. Wow. And what happens when we destroy polarities in the universe, what happens when polarities are destroyed? You destroy creation. Creation is made out of polarity. Mm-hmm. Sun and moon, black and white, mm-hmm. you know, male, female. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everywhere.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, those are, those are players. Now, again, you know, I have so many friends who are gay, like this, And I was called, okay, I'm being really frank now. I was called a homophobic one time because I was speaking about this transgender issue in relationship to children. I mean, I have, I have, yeah, we won't even go down that, Mm -hmm. that, that road, but Mm -hmm. so in relationship to children and what you were just unfolding, I consider it child abuse because children are not developmentally. It literally in their brain. I mean, even almost hardcore scientists know this. Mm-hmm. their brain is not developed to the point of whether it be by basically 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and so when I coach parents, you know, there's this whole movement of unschooling and, mm-hmm. and I understand um you know, there's some really good things in that, but I'm just mm-hmm. using a general phrase right now, mm-hmm. but there's a whole movement and it's been for decades and it's also been with radical feminism. So don't get me going on that. Right. But... um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
2: many but, rabbit holes. <laughs> um, but essentially, basically um, allowing children to make decisions at too young of an age creates anxiety and stress and also just simply creates disrespectful behavior. Um, I'm not saying that we need to be tyrants or we need to be harsh or strict, you know, um, authoritarian, but we have loving authority and have loving boundaries. Children are held and then they know where the parameters are. And then as they grow into teenagers, you know, that expands. If they're just given everything, they don't have the same respect. So Mm -hmm. that just, you know, goes back to the gender thing. I mean, how could you possibly, how could anyone in their right mind think that a child, the poor, you know, I really feel it's child abuse. I really feel for the children because it's it's influenced through the environment and it's a fad and then that goes all the way back to the dark brotherhoods and what they really want to accomplish from mankind by eradicating the human species, essentially.
0: Well, I mean, I I think about when we first got into Waldorf and they talk about you know how the child comes into their body, you know, and that takes years, you know, and 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 now we're being asked to you know they just know you know and, and they, but we they weren't even in their body we're 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 not even teaching them uh um academics yet you know when they're young because we're 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 so into helping them come from the etheric into the body uh that we're pushing off you know reading and these things and we are bought in and then these same people are then saying well we're going to we're going to you know change pronouns and we're going to yeah i i'm just like uh, are we giving up everything that we—I uh, mean, I get that some things happen eventually, but we're in a very key time with children and how they are forming, and to just change—you know, we, had, we our, our, um, our teacher from uh, Kansas, our original teacher, um, he was so great, and he said, you know, um, these things do not change overnight, and, and, and they are asking us to change the rules— overnight. And he goes, it's not that these things don't change, but they are looked at and studied for generations. And it it, it comes in slowly so that it is is accepted if it's something that is meant to be accepted. But Mm -hmm. they are pushing this down our throats. Like, you know, he was, Waldorf is inclusive. We are inclusive. It's just how we're built, you know? He goes, we don't even use pro. We use their names. We call them by their names. They aren't she, they, he, they are Billy, Sally, Jenny, you know. So it's like to to add this is is really uh, creating a solution for a problem that doesn't exist, but it creates a a tone that uh, really clouds everything else that's happening within the schools. And it's just sad to see that.
1: Yeah, I want and and to... Wa- very serious. Yeah, go ahead. Very, very serious
2: ramifications for life. And I, I take it very seriously. I, You know, if I was an activist, I would, you know, but I, I, I ha- my work is, you know, transforming things from the ground up. I, I'm not going to hit it, but I heard, you know, even locally, the teacher is asking the children uh, what gender they want to be called in
1: second grade. You know, don't don't even I don't even know what to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That is so sad. So, giving the 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 hot topic and the polarization and and even the turning uh, victimization basically into something powerful, because here you are now. You know, as a different race, let's say, or a different now. You know, you you don't really associate with your born sex anymore you become this person that is protected that is heard that is untouchable right because as you're saying like if you say anything now you're a homophobe or you are called names like you were like not accepting you are just this, this horrible person and then there can even be a discussion but if we go back to the context you were talking about about the our thinking um What is the, I would, what is the, the solution, I guess, you know, moving forward, what are some practical ways that we can uh, approach these problems uh, to be able to move forward? How do we embody this, this thinking you're talking about?
2: I love that. And actually, I listened to your last podcast, and something you said really, really struck me because it kind of goes. To my one of my fundamental core, um, I don't like to say beliefs, but ways of being mm-hmm. is you know something you just mentioned, and I, I really think this is where it's at, and that is to be, and that's my my consulting is called presence consulting. So to yeah. be present mm-hmm. with the people who are surrounding us, to be as present as possible, off our phones. You know i mean that's a huge one right there i used to have nightmares when i was four before phones even existed <laughs> that there was a huge skyscraper robot and people were coming in huge lines holding something in their hand and they were like zombies and they were hearing the call of the robot i mean children know what they're incarnating into a lot of children who have nightmares they're pre they're having a prevision of what's to come mm-hmm. but um to be present And to do our work, especially if you have children, that's the future of mankind. Mm -hmm. And that's, I just, I'm so passionate about children. And I always have been, I'm an only child, but I used to go to the library and tell stories to kids when I was nine. Um, So to be so present with your children and to work with your hands, because there's nothing like a good project to humble you.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know
2: just, yeah, very true. I, you know'cause as passionate as I get about all this stuff, like you know i all we all need a good dose of humility, and mm-hmm. i'm I'm a pretty passionate person, so it's really important for me that I stay active with my hands and and get that humility and and Steiner actually said, some of the highest beings, you know, the highest spiritual beings live in the most mundane acts and so sweeping the floor teaching the children how to sweep the floor well you know all these basic things that we do here in hummingbird um are setting foundations for life and understanding how to give and receive Mm -hmm. and understanding how to receive help some of these three-year-olds they don't want help but it's like actually learning how to receive and let someone give you some you know all these Mm -hmm. things so it comes back to me person if your role is activism go for it you know um, I just know that I have had to step back and I've had to go to the basics of what my role is and my role is to create a very safe very good very beautiful environment for children and to work with parents to offer them tools new tools basic things that will literally change the behavior of their child immediately and have a harmonious life at home. And so whatever your role is, and we've all got our work, you know, and some of us have work that we might not align with completely. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't mean <laughs> that's all, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very common. I feel very humbled and blessed to have found my work. Um, mm-hmm. And every moment when you go to the grocery store, when we go to the gas station, those moments that we take for granted when we're on automatic, more in our double or our shadow sides, we're not present. So to be so present with human beings, we can change a life with a look, with a smile. And I don't mean to be like a cliche or be superficial. Mm-hmm. I really feel very deeply that we get we get distracted by all these these topics, and I think they're important to talk about. And I love talking about them. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate, but we all, including myself, get distracted from our everyday mundane tasks and being present for the very people who are in our life. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. That's I th- my, those are my that's thoughts. Beautiful.
0: I think that beautiful. is so important. But I, on that note, can you elaborate a little bit more on Eurythmy and then the power of, you know, emoting, like you said, sound through movement and whatnot, and, and how that's something that's grounding and can really be beneficial and why it's integral with Waldorf education.
1: In the presence that you yeah. were just yeah. talking about. Yes. Thank you so
2: much. Thank you. Um, because that really is my passion. And I do have a class. I hope you two will come join it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so every Sunday, right?
2: Yeah. Every Sunday. And I have a few parents in my school. It's for adults. I really love working with adults at this time because it has a whole other level of depth, you know, that you, children just, they live there. We just, we play and play. And I like, the parents like to do what I do with children too because they <laughs> like to play too. But yeah, to essentially, um, it does. It brings you immediately to the present moment. And, but in order to do eurythmy, one has to really have an open heart. And that's like the foundation, to be open. Um, I've worked, I mean, I've taught thousands of people and it's been so wonderful because I've learned so much. Eurythmi brings a relationship to the world around us, to the space around us in a way like nothing I've ever experienced. Um, And it asks of us to have a deep, Feeling of sound. We take speech for granted. We speak all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there are lots of different nuances in every sound. Think of all the languages in the world. It brings a feeling for every sound ah, a, eh. every sound. It brings a feeling and it asks of you, what is that feeling of awe? Ah? And that feeling of awe ah is universal. For every human being, Mm -hmm. it's a universal experience, but every human being is going to express it uniquely.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So it connects us to the universal. And it asks of us to be very present in our body. And it's very difficult to explain through words and over Zoom. um, But I'm doing my best. Of course, you're doing great works with music. And so it's bringing the Nature of tone, so we don't use recorded music because, again, we're working with the in the realm of the soul, mm-hmm. and so we work with live musicians mm-hmm. and it's bringing that living tone to movement. So we literally have gestures for every tone in every scale, including the sharps and the flats, and major and minor, and also, as well, the intervals for any musicians out there who understand what I'm talking <laughs> yes. about. Um, for all the intervals and believe I say that because when I first started, I had no idea what an interval was. Um, and it brings, if, if you could see the music moving, that would be you with me. So it's different than dancing to the music. And I always like to say, don't get me wrong. I love to get down. Like I love to dance. Mm-hmm. It's not dance. It's meditation and movement.
0: And do, do you think that, that, um, cause you mentioned earlier that, that, uh, your Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but, but Eurythmi, I think is often gets, um, it's turned into maybe one of the least liked classes in, in Waldorf. Do, Do you think that's something that number one, uh, Waldorf as a, as a overall system has, uh, slowly made it lesser important, or do you feel like it's one of those things that the kids respect more and they get more out of it as they mature or maybe both?
2: Um, well, I would have a different answer. What I would say is largely because the eurythmy trainings in the world um, have lacked the ability to bring a um, pedagogical um, unfolding of how to bring eurythmy to children. And my I feel that my training really did that. I mean, not to, like, boast, but mm-hmm. I, there's very few eurythmy trainings in the world at all. I think there's maybe... Four or five, Wow. maybe six, um, and you know, there. At one point, there were only two in America. <clears throat> I haven't kept track recently, but I really would attribute it to the the eurythmy training and the teachers themselves, the eurythmy teachers themselves. It's really our responsibility to connect with the parents, especially because the signer was very clear. If if the overall culture does not understand Eurythmi it will not be able to be received by the children can you imagine that yeah I mean we've got some work to do yeah too. that's why I loved going on tour I went on tour with Eurythmia and we performed here in in town um we packed the theater with all the public schools. I love doing rhythm mm-hmm. in other settings. I love doing rhythm with public schools, juvenile hall. I had a mm-hmm. class of a hundred kids in the local middle school in the gymnasium. Oh, it was that's amazing. Awesome. Um we have to make it accessible, practical. We have to learn how to speak the language of the spiritual world in everyday terms and go from there. Um, so I would attribute it to the teacher and I'm not saying like the training I had is the only one, I really, I've seen other Eurythmists who are definitely able to make a beautiful impact, but it really involves Working with the parents, making eurythmy, uh performing more so that it's accessible to the greater audience. And then from there, having a deep con- spiritual connection with the children. I had my glory years here. Um, and I, you know, towards the end, it was difficult, but we had after-school eurythmy. I had boys in my after-school eurythmy program. They were making eurythmy tunics. We wear silks. And I had the whole school performances with fairy tales. The whole school did a fairy tale. My public class was 12 people. For years, I had 12 adults, and they would perform as well. And there were some beautiful moments. Now, you, because eurythmy is such a spiritual experience, it really is, when it's gone, people don't know how to hold the space for it. So c- human nature with anything, even when so- someone you know, you haven't seen them for a while, you know, you like your lesser self might start like dissing on them or
1: something. Yeah, whatever. you know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that was beautiful. Just to give you a little frame of reference that uh, in our current uh, school. Um, the last uh, eurythmus that we had she had invited the parents to come and experience her class at the end of her um, semester because she was leaving but um, masks were required so i I did not attend. Oh. <laughs> Because it didn't make sense to me. Like, we're talking about movement and sound, and I need to cover my breathing. I'm like, it's not going to (laughs) work. So, yeah, Yeah, that's the state of affairs. (laughs) Yeah, poor lady. I mean,
2: you know, and the kids, you know, there's nothing like children to show you right
1: where you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. if they're healthy, Mm -hmm. if they're healthy yeah so a question I ask sure everybody gave her a hard time <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. so a question that I ask everybody because we're talking about the ethereal and the spiritual world is um if you had to describe in your views today what the this 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 plane that we live in is and um what are why are we here what what would you say? <laughs> i love you Fabiola. She,
0: she always likes to drop grenades like that she's like here,
1: <laughs> but we do to be fair we do ask every question every almost every uh gas that question i love this <laughs>
2: yes. i mean you know this is the kind of stuff i live for when i lived in my community you know this is the kind of i mean it's not like you know we ever feel like oh yes i've arrived at the answer, and now I'm not a seeker anymore. So. <laughs> right, right, exactly,
1: exactly. But at this point I in mean, time.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, at this point in time. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I really... I, I feel that the human being is... It's our turn. Um, and my, you know cosmology experience of the spiritual world and my investigations and some real direct experiences, which I won't go into. it just be too long of a story, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, there are many spiritual beings and they, they have hierarchies. I mean, the ancients talked about them,
3: mm-hmm.
2: angels, archangels, archi, cherubim, seraphim, thrones, dynamite, dynamis, kyrotegis. you know, there's like a lot of beings on it, just like there are human beings. Mm -hmm. And they have names. Mm -hmm. Just like those who have passed away Mm -hmm. are still alive. They're not dead in the dust, gone. Mm -hmm. My father is Mm -hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm going a little ahead of myself. I'll just keep it really simple. I really feel that it's our turn in the course of a vast amount of time when other spiritual beings, you know, we're taking it forward. Mm -hmm. It's our turn. Mm -hmm. And really all the whole cosmos is looking at the human being each single human being it's the time of revelation and i don't mean that in a proselytizing sense revelation means all will be revealed Mm -hmm. that's what COVID did yes yes Yes. yes that's right and so it's a time where each individual is being asked to reveal themselves it's a very important time. It actually is a very important time right now, even though we have in in my view we have many incarnations that we've had and we will have. These few lives, these few incarnations are very pivotal to awaken and to take it forward for the whole of mankind because it's only going to get darker. And I'm someone who has a lot of hope. I'm not a dismal person, but I also am like a realist or however you want to say it. It's gonna get really freaking dark Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um that's clear all the ancients knew that it's in all the mythology and steiner was pretty clear um so we've got to develop our thinking capacity our key to the spiritual world because that's where our protection is it's not in anything physical you can put all the emf protection you want with paint and all this stuff which i'm into Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. but that's still a physical material thing We have to develop our spiritual armor, our spiritual shield, our direct relationship. And we've got to really get down to, like, who who am I in relationship with? Mm -hmm. Am I in relationship with this one or this one? Or who am I really in relationship with? Who do I want to be in relationship with in the spiritual world? Because they have our back, and they're waiting for us to reach to them so that we can take it forward for the whole cosmos. And I, that sounds like a mighty thing to say. I can't believe I just said that.
0: <laughs> I like but, it.
2: Um, it's very humbling. It's extremely humbling because you know I'm just a little pea. But I'm, I'm me, and you're you. And I mean, you are a whole world, each one of you. And then, then you have your children. And think about it like this. I bet both of you have massively taken your life forward where your parents are, and that's with all due respect to your parents in case mm-hmm. they're listening. Yes, um, but I'm sure so that's how I see it. That's how I see it,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. No, I and and uh, I couldn't agree more. And um, but I'm wondering specifically with Waldorf, are, are you bullish on uh, what's birthing out of the pandemic and all of this as far as these new? Projects you've got of the your, revelation. Your, your thing going on. I mean, are we are we are we in, are we creating um, what what this community and what what uh, the world needs? Or are you seeing it go that direction? Even though there's the the dark clouds, we we're, we're building what we need.
2: Yes, yes, I am, and 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 I think we're babies because. To build things that will last, and that's, I've had, you know, again, very humbly, I speak this, like, but honestly, I really have not, I have not met, I don't think I've met anyone that has lived in, like, a community for 20 years, solid community that's existed for 30 to 40 years, where you have 60 to, you know, you have a lot of people Mm -hmm. who are making decisions and consensus. There's a lot going on, and we haven't even touched on that, and that's okay, because, um, you know, what I'm trying to say is to build something um, new takes community, and I think that we're all, we're all still really babies at that, mm-hmm. um, and it regards, goes back to what you both were saying about self-honesty, being willing to be wrong, being willing to be flexible, being willing to create in the moment. And not just have our idea of how we think it should be, but learn to see like reality. Well, what is showing itself? Like what is possible? Mm -hmm. What, so like how I built my school, I didn't build my school out of an idea. Mm -hmm. I built my school out of the people who came to me. Mm -hmm. So my school grew from by each child Mm -hmm. and each parent. And it literally grew like this out, Mm -hmm. not from an idea. In. Mm-hmm. and i've seen many startups and i but i, I don't want to be dismal because yes i think it's great and mm-hmm. i think that that people really need tools um because i there was a i can name so many right now because mm-hmm. i was just really connected to all the the underground schools that were popping up and mm-hmm. um, many of them are folding right now oh you know? really so and they would go like 100 kids phones tons of money tons of infrastructure so i think we got to we got to go back to what we were all talking about that we're, I think all passionate about is like being present with what we have and who we're with and letting things grow organically. Like with that, Mm
3: -hmm. but
2: yes, I think people wanting to start something new and do new things and create independent initiatives.
1: It's rad. Mm -hmm. It's where we got to go. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So share just, um, um, the projects you're working on and how people can support you and where people can find you?
2: Um, You know, really just the coaching is something I'm passionate about. I also work with groups. I'm working with a group in Sacramento right now of homeschool moms. I'm working with a mother also in Northern California wanting to start her own homeschool. Like you guys were talking about, there's a lot of interest in how to start these schools. And I have really discovered a form of governance, basically, in some healthy social structures where parents and teachers and students can all have healthy relationships and boundaries. So going to um, Facebook and Instagram is where I'm most connected. I Mm -hmm. am working on a website, but That's not my big forte Mm -hmm, technology, mm -hmm. but um, I am working on a website. But honestly, my coaching is mostly word of mouth on the phone and just very organic and dynamic.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, I've, I've been able to make a difference that way. So I really hope to continue to work with people in that way. And my email through my consulting business is Shannon at Presence
1: Movement dot com. Ooh, good domain. We'll share that on the show <laughs> notes, and then you also have the beautiful school, hummingbird. Yes. How can yeah, people find school. more information about that? Emailing us you as well.
2: Yeah, same through the Facebook. Is I honestly have found pretty much all my clients through Facebook. It's been I I, I know it's not a big popular thing, but I I treat it like a digital bulletin board. Um, <laughs> yes, which it yeah. is yeah all with
1: surveillance on top <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> i um once the website is up and going that will have information on my school as well and yeah right now it's preschool and kindergarten who knows where it will go from here but that's mm-hmm. where we're at right
1: now okay beautiful we'll share that in the show notes we want to thank you so much what a blessing conversation and uh just Makes my heart just full to be able to have this amazing conversation with you and clarity on how you see the world and how, um, you know, how inspiring it is to be here at this time and all the things that we can, you know, think and create and how we can use our hands and our body and grow through movement and help the next generation create something Um, better than what we have right now. (laughs)
0: Yeah, looking forward to collaborating.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes.
2: Thank you. Yes, likewise. I can't wait to get up there, see what you guys are up to. And um, I love how you build community. and love your your outreach and really feel your presence in this area is um, a real blessing. So I can't wait to get to know you guys more. I'm I'm grateful we're
1: somewhat neighbors. Yes, for sure. Thank you for the blessing of your presence in our lives. We appreciate it. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, likewise. Have a good night. You too. Bye. You bye. Too.
0: All right, another fantastic interview. Did you enjoy yourself with that one? Fabi? I
1: did. What a treat it was uh, to talk to Shannon and get a bit of understanding of education and Steiner principles and Anthroposophy. Um, I think it blew my mind in a lot of ways. You know, just to to learn more about what education means. I was actually listening to a podcast a few weeks ago of another Waldorf teacher discussing why education is needed. And I have to say, it turned me off because I just did not know what was the meaning of education in an anthroposophical light. So this was so uh, enlightening and uh, refreshing. Uh, So I'm really blessed to have we have crossed paths with her and um really looking forward to learning more about the spiritual aspects she brought you know the what was it that she said the, the good devil and the bad devil and how <laughs> i think it's a good way
0: of putting yeah
1: it. how they are the, the the angel on your right side and the devil on your left side and how that really were two sides of the same coin. coin. That yeah. was pretty um mind-blowing to me.
0: Yeah, we didn't get to talk a ton about her uh, actual school that she started, but we did mm-hmm. talk, you know, about uh, anthroposophy and uh we're gonna share education.
1: the information, in the show notes about how to connect with Shannon. She does consulting for homeschoolers and parents that want to know more about anthroposophy. And uh, Waldorf Education, want to follow the curriculum. She's also an amazing erythmist uh, uh, and teacher. And we just feel blessed that she's part of our community.
0: And a great podcast guest. So. Yes, great guest. <laughs> she has a lot to say. All right, well, uh, if we don't have anything else... That wraps it for another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, oh, yeah. everybody. Wait, don't forget to follow us on the Telegram at the Collective Resistance Podcast. And go Stay
1: ahead. healthy, stay safe, stay curious.